What's up, Joe? What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Sports 360. I'm Jeff Fennell, and I'm here with my co-host, Rob Duran. What's up, Rob? How you doing, man? What's going on, Jeff? What's going on, man? Uh, man, I got about 340 million things I want to talk about right about now. <laughs> <laughs> How's that for cutting to the chase? <laughs> man. Yeah, man. $340 million. Um, you know, we're we're a couple of days um out from Fernando Tatis Jr. signing that massive contract extension with the San Diego Padres. 14 years, $340 million. I mean, that's just, I mean, it's an incredible amount of money. We're going to talk about that contract in various ways. But what was your reaction, Rob, when you heard about the deal? Both 14 years and then the $340 million. I was honestly, I was not expecting it. I know there were some rumors about it going on a few months back, but when I saw the number and I saw the years, I was like, what? And then I saw he was only 22. I had to Google it to make sure. 22 years old. He gets this huge, huge extension. Man, he, listen, 22 years old, $340 million. You get commitment from the franchise. You commit to the franchise. Can't turn that down. Wow. No, you can't turn it down. I mean, look, in in terms of just pure dollars, right? Gross dollars, $340 million, third highest contract in Major League Baseball history, right? Only Trout and Mookie Betts have bigger contracts uh, for now. I think that's going to change, but for right now, (laughs) that's that's where it stands. And, you know, for a player like Tatis, who, listen, it seems to me he has all the goods, right, as far as the type of player that he is and also the type of personality that he is, right? Yeah. Um, You know, so he he has the makings of, you know, just a, a, a special, special player. But he's played to this point 142 major league games not even the equivalent of a full season of you know of, of 162 142 games and he got this type of commitment and these types and this type of money and of course he could not um turn that turn that down but as you said he's 22 years old but I, you know i'm struck by the fact that as well as he's played, he hasn't played that much. Yeah, and I listen, man, those analytics that they got running must be working, and they must be projecting some good stuff for this kid. And, you know, we, we've seen it. He's electric. You know, he's people confuse the face of baseball with the best player in baseball. Best player, hands down, is Mike Trout. You can make an argument for Mookie Betts if you want, but it's Mike Trout. Uh, but as far as the face of baseball, who young kids are looking up to, um, who's out there and everyone is looking at, it's this guy, Fernando Tatis Jr., man. You know, he's electric. He he reminds me a lot of, and I know I've heard comparisons here and there, just in terms of, like, the swagger he brings to the game, it's a lot of Ken Griffey Jr. You know, all the swag, you know, the bat flip, the, the showmanship, stuff like that. He brings that energy to the game, 
that we've been looking for over the past few years. So, man, but you're right. You know, 14 years for, for a guy who hasn't played a full baseball season, a full 162 games, it does come with risk. Yeah, it, it certainly does. Um, but I like the term you use because I think it's accurate when you say he's electric. Because I, I think that is a really good way of describing Tatis Jr. Um, because, you know, there, there are a lot of good players, right? Yeah. Um, Mookie Betts is a really good player. He's dynamic. When you see him, you know, the plays he makes in the field, um, his hitting, obviously, but, you know, his base stealing and his base running is another aspect of his game. You know what I mean? He's just, a, yeah. you know, an all-around good player, dynamic. Super high IQ. Yes. Definitely. Right. Mike Trout is, you know, Mike Trout is just from a physical standpoint, it's like there's nothing this guy can't do. As big yeah. as he is, he's fast, right? He can run the bases. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of people don't recall, you know, especially early in his career, how many bases Mike Trout used to steal. Yeah. You know, um, so yeah. just, you know, he's just, you know. Uh, and the way he covers center field, man. Oh, my gosh. He, his range right. is crazy. Right. <laughs> but there's something about Tatis, and I think that description that you have of him of being electric is it yeah. because I think more so than with Trout, who was a very reserved player, and Betts shows some emotion. There's just something about Tatis that, like, he draws your eyes to him. You know what I mean? And he's flashy. He's got some swag. He's got some style. But he backs it up, too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas Mookie is dynamic, but he's dynamic in a sort of all business type of way. You know what I mean? Like, he's just, you know, he he's like the mature businessman type of thing. Where where you know Tatis is like the 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 brash guy, you know what I mean? Where he's gonna the, the you know the hair color, the 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 dreads going on, the the, yep. the do rag on his head, right? you know what I mean? <laughs> he got all those type of things, and then he also brings it as a baseball player. So he's he's just you know he's just got a flair, man, about him, and I think electric is a good way of describing this guy. Yeah, man, and listen. I love baseball, but not going to lie. These West Coast games, they start very late sometimes. I'm a dad. You know, I work in the morning. <laughs> so it's yeah. hard to catch a lot of these games. But Tatis Jr. will make me want to stay up late and watch his games. Like, that's the kind of player he is. He makes you want to stay up till 1 in the morning watching him play because you never know what to expect. It's, it's just It can always be something new, something amazing, something crazy going on. And you just want to catch it live. Yeah, and and look, and you're right. It's 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 tough. I mean, that's why you want to catch the national games when you can. You know, the ones that will you know start a decent time on the East Coast, and you know, and and, and so forth. Or you know, if you have you know the MLB packages based on whatever cable or Direct TV or whatever you have, you know, when San Diego is on the road and is playing on the East Coast or playing you know, in the central division opponents, you want to catch those games because of the earlier starts. But, um, but yeah, he certainly is, is a dynamic talent who has gotten paid. But um, in in addition to his contract and the amount of money and, and, and his commitment in terms of years, 
There's also been some talk as well about Tatis signing a deal with a company called Big League Advance, right? And Big League Advance is a company that gives or, you know, advances some money to minor league players who they think, based on their algorithms, are going to be stars. And so they would advance, you know, a player some money in exchange for a percentage of their future earnings. Could be anywhere from, you know, 5%, 7%, 10%, whatever the case may be. Well, they advanced Tatis Jr. some money a few years ago. And now Tatis Jr. has hit the bank. And so has Big League Advance, (laughs) right? Because if it's 5%, that's a $17 million uh, payday for Big League Advance. If it's somewhere in between, it could be in the 20s. If it's 10%, it's $34 million. That is incredible. And we haven't even gotten to talk about Tatis Jr. paying Uncle Sam or paying his agent his 4 or 5%. What are your thoughts about that, the, the the big league advance piece of this? So it's funny because um, I hadn't heard too much about this stuff until the details of the contract started coming out. And I was like, man, they this guy's going to pay this company, big league advance, a good chunk of money. And like you said, it could be up to 30 plus million of his deal and, and just kind of looking at the at the breakdown of his deal you know he's he's not making too much at the beginning in terms of the, the overall contract but wow man talk about talk about an investment huh <laughs> yeah for big league advance for sure yeah. and you wow. know a lot a lot of the deals that they cut rob you know they they miss on right because you know they yeah. they they're using their algorithms and they're trying to predict which of these young players are going to be mega stars and so you know, and they approach them and say, hey, we can give you several hundreds of thousands of dollars, a million dollars, two million dollars, whatever the case may be. You know, you're a guy in low A or A ball or double A, right? And you can get $500,000, a million dollars. And they say, we, you know, for a part of your future earnings, a lot of guys say, sign me up. Yeah. But one of the things, Rob, that, you know, a lot of people may not realize is that the, the the percentage of future earnings is on baseball related earnings. So it's not just a playing contract. It's the endorsement contract. It could be after the player retires, if he goes into the broadcast booth and he's making his living as a baseball broadcaster, because that's baseball related. If he's selling, you know, cards or writes a book, or opens up a baseball memorabilia store, right? It's baseball related. So that 10% of future earnings, first of all, is very broad, but it also can it it, it can extend far beyond the playing days. And so, you know, um it, you know, for, for big league advance, when it hits, it can hit pretty well, as we see here with Tatis. But the point is the 340 is just part of the story for big league advance right they can they have more coming and so um these things come at a hefty price and um i don't know you know i i I think some players are going to perhaps have their eyes opened on big league advance um 
and, and maybe think about this a little more if they get the details of how this works. But, you know, that's it's incredible. It's a great payday for Tatis, but also for big league advance. Yeah, a lot, it's almost like a lifetime deal if you want to really kind of break it down almost because a lot of these baseball players, like you said, a lot of the baseball players, they leave the game, and if they're still popular when, you know, the game is over, you see like David Ortiz, for example, went straight into broadcasting right away. You know, even A-Rod, for example. You know, dude wasn't very popular at the end of his career in terms of his relationships and stuff, but he goes right into broadcasting as well. So a lot of these guys extend their baseball life by going into broadcasting and doing baseball-related stuff. So um, Big League Advance has a a good investment in Tatis because he may be one of those guys that, after his playing days are over, continues his baseball career, so to speak. Sure, sure. And you never know how it goes. I mean, guys could go and, you know, I don't know for sure if it would cover this, but what if the guy goes on to be a manager? Yeah. As, as many players, you know, go on to be Dave Roberts, you know what I mean? Is yeah. as a manager who seems like he's going to be around for a long time. Yeah. Right. Uh, so imagine, you know, a situation like that, if, if, if he had a big league advance type deal or something like that. So, you know, it's it's um, it's an interesting part of the sports landscape today where you have these companies who are looking to give players some upfront money in exchange for a percentage of their future earnings. And it has to be something that I'm sure, you know, agents and, and union and, you know, different players associations are, are keeping their, their eye on. Um, but, you know, another thing to keep our eye on, Rob, is um, these other shortstops who are going to yeah. be free agents this year, right? We have this big great names. crop, right, big name, Lindor, um, Correa, Seager, Baez, Trevor Story, right? I mean, you have some some elite shortstops, all of whom yeah. are going to be free agents at the end of this year unless they do extensions. And you have to believe, Rob, they're looking at the Tatis deal and saying to Tatis and the Padres, thank you very much. Now, they're not going to get 14 years, right? Because, no. you know, these players are 26, 27, 28, maybe a little bit older. So they're not going to get 14 years. But I think they're looking at that AAV of 24 and saying, you got to pay me a whole lot more than that because you paying $24 million AAV to a guy who, you know, he's not even anywhere near a free agent, right? And if you yeah. look at Tatis, a lot of his deal in the on the back end is like $36 million, right? Yeah. You see the yearly salaries are $36 million. And so, you know, these shortstops are looking at that and saying, thank you very much. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> And, and it's funny because we were talking about this a little off air too because Machado went to free agency as a shortstop technically. And I know he ends up playing third base for San Diego, but his $300 million contract kind of seems like the low end for a lot of these guys going into free agency, especially if they're able to duplicate the type of success that they've already had. Like Francisco Lindor, crazy on both sides of the ball, switch hitter and everything. Like, he's in for a payday. Baez is another one who you just look at him defensively, never mind what he can do offensively. Defensively, he's a magician. That's what they call him in Mago. And then, you know, like you said, story, you can talk about his work. He plays in Colorado, inflated numbers. The dude is a stud no matter where he plays. So these guys are, I, I'm telling you, the, the $300 million for Machado, I think it's going to be 
the low starting point for a lot of these contract talks and negotiations. And I think the one thing that may help teams when it comes to negotiating is maybe looking at, like you said, looking at the breakdown of Tati's contract where he gets the 36 million towards the end to kind of give the team flexibility to, you know, retain players or, or whatever the case may be. But it's going to be interesting seeing that free agent class. I don't think I've ever seen a free agent class this heavy, like in the shorts, in a premium position, like shortstop with this much talent going into it. So it's nope. going to be a fun, yeah. a fun, fun off season to see how this, um, comes out yeah no question about it and and, you know i don't know rob if all of them are going to get to free agency you know i think i think the mets you know really need to you know lock up up lindor um and it's interesting though there was an article out today where it was saying that there have there have been no talks so far between the mets and lindor um and you know lindor said as most players say he doesn't want the negotiations to leak into the season, the regular yeah. season. So it's, you know, there's a deadline to get it done and that's going to be during spring training. Um, but there's time to do it. You know, there, there would be time to do it, you know? Um, so that's, that I don't believe is that much of an issue, but I don't, I don't know if Lindor to me, he seems like an ideal extension candidate because the Mets went out and, you know, traded for the him. Trade, yeah. You know, I think, I think Corey Seager, maybe a, a, an extension candidate with the Dodgers. I don't know if they want to let, if the Dodgers would want to let Corey Seager go. Um, and then I think Carlos Correa in Houston could be an extension candidate. Um, you know, so I don't know. I mean, and then also, you know, you, it's going to be interesting with story, you know, now that, that uh, Colorado has, you know, sh- shopped and moved on from Arenado, right. He's now in St. Louis are they going to let Story walk or, or are they going to trade him at the deadline, right? Yeah. Um, to try to get some value in return because it seems to me Colorado is probably thinking, you know, with the Dodgers there, with San Diego on the rise and with San Francisco probably being better positioned than the Rockies are in that division, yeah. they're probably saying to themselves, it's going to be a while before we compete. And I wouldn't be surprised if they get into a total rebuilding mode. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either. I think three, like you said, Lindor, I think he'll, he'll get locked up. Um, Correa, I, it depends what Houston wants to do. They let Springer walk. Maybe they let him walk to be able to free up some money to sign Correa long-term um, and kind of keep him and Altuve together with Bregman on the, on the other end. Um but story is an interesting one because, like you said, he could be traded at the deadline. I don't know if he'll re-sign there with, with Colorado after they traded away um, Nolan Arenado. And then Baez is another one with Chicago. That's another team that you want to see what direction they're heading in. You know, they had rumors of trading Chris Bryant. You want to see what they're going to end up doing with Rizzo at first base, if, if they're going to extend him, keep him long-term. So, and, and their catcher, um, blanking on the name, Wilson Contreras, it's going to be interesting to see what they do in Chicago too, as far as keeping Baez around. So like you said, you know, Lindor, I'm pretty sure he'll stay with the Mets. It's kind of a no brainer to resign, especially investing so much in that trade. But the other guy's story, uh, Baez and, and Seager too, actually, I want to say the Dodgers have some depth in the minor leagues. Yeah. Who maybe, maybe they lean on a young guy now that they've re-signed Justin Turner 
and all that stuff. Maybe they lean on a young guy to come up and replace Seager, but I don't know. Seager's talent is hard to replace. So we'll, we'll see, man. Yeah. But, but whether it's through extensions or free agency, these, <clears throat> these shortstops have to be looking at what Tatis has done yeah. and just say, okay, if, if this player can get that type of money, and they're going to be looking at the free agent years in his contract, right? Yep. And he could get that type of money, and he's played 142 games, and these other players are coming with, you know, MVPs and World Series MVPs and all the accolades, silver sluggers, gold gloves, you name it. They're going to say, back up the truck. You have to yep. pay me. <laughs> and that's why I think Tatis's contract is the third highest for now because yeah. I think you know um one of these players if not more um may may exceed that um you know it's also I think this highlights for us as well that even though we're talking about a pandemic and even though we're talking about a loss of revenue for clubs I mean we saw it in the NBA how they signed their players uh, Anthony Davis getting his monster contract for example uh, but here, where you see this contract being offered um, by a team like San Diego, right? Not a, you know, traditional big market team. Um, it lets you know that there's still money in the game. There's still yeah. money in the game. Um, Definitely. So um, really, really interesting to see what's going to happen going forward on this one. You, you know, it's another interesting story, Rob, that, that that's coming out of baseball. Um, and it's just... You know, started. I think it just hit the wire in the last day or so. Is um, you know, we're talking about you know clubs losing money because of the pandemic. But what do you think about Ian Desmond for the second year in a row opting out of the season? Um, and we're talking about Colorado. He's you know he plays for the Rockies. He opted out last year, and he's announced that he's opting out of the 2021 season he says for now so he's a, you know, kind of leaving the door open but what do you think about that I was actually surprised um I didn't realize that you know I guess you can opt out whenever you want you, you have a contract and you you talk to the team whatever um but I was kind of surprised to see that that he was very quick to say you know I'm opting out like you said for now so we'll see what he decides later on but I guess from just, you know, he's, he's saying it's for family, to stay with family during, because we're still in the pandemic and all that. So I guess from that perspective, uh, I respect the guy. You know, I can't tell, I can't say he's wrong for choosing to stick with his family, you know, throughout the, the rest of this pandemic, whenever, you know, this stuff gets under control. But I was surprised, actually, to see it. And, you know, he's giving up whatever he was earning this year. I'm not sure how much it was. Uh, and a guy who's you know, in his mid thirties at this point, who knows how many more seasons he has left of major league ball and to give up two of them for the reasons he's doing it. Um, it's tough professionally, but on the human side of it, I respect the guy for choosing family and kind of maintaining that core, those core values ahead of playing baseball. Yeah, I'm with you on that uh, all the way. I mean, you know, I, I was kind of surprised, too, when I saw that, you know, because I knew he had opted out last year. Yeah. And my first thought was, OK, what's going on? And then I just kind of took a step back. And as you just said, see, this brings to the forefront the human element 
of sports, yep. right? Because so many times we look at players and, you know, they're players, they're commodities, they're jerseys and their names, you know what I mean? And we kind of yep. forget that they're human beings just like us with, with, you know, spouses and with children and with parents and, you know, right. You know, just like yep. everybody else. And in the end, he made his decision based on that. And as you said, yep. what can you do, but, you know, respect and honor that decision. And yeah, so and it's tough. It's tough because, yeah. you know, just as, like as a father myself, if I had to move somewhere for my kid or whatever the case may be, I'm going to do what's best for my wife and my kids, you know, because they, they come first at the end of the day. Yeah. And, you know, you, you, you do make a good point, though, that at this stage of his career, um, he probably doesn't have another big contract left. And yeah. according to the report that I read, you know, he he forfeited about five million dollars last year because, again, it was only a prorated season, prorated salaries for the shortened season. And he he forfeited, according to the report, about five million dollars last year. And they said that his contract for this year was eight, which seemed to me to be low. But even if we just took that, I mean, you're talking 13, 14 million dollars um, for a player who after this year, the Rockies have an option on him for 2022. What's the chances of the Rockies? I don't even know what the option price is, but I wouldn't think the Rockies are going to are going to yeah. exercise an option for a player if he doesn't play at all this year would have missed the last two seasons. So, yeah, you know, I, that I, option goes yeah. out the window. And so you're essentially talking about walking away from $14 million. And, you know, that that's just sort of, it, it sort of brings in, you know, t- to the forefront even the more how important this decision is for him because he knows what he's walking away from, but he also yeah. knows more importantly what he's walking to. And that is, you know, to his family and, and looking after them first. Yeah, and props to him. Respect to that because not a lot of people would, like you said, even if it's just a like I don't know the option either, but just the thirteen, fourteen million—that's that's a good chunk of change to walk away from and not regret it in a sense. So respect to him for for doing that. Yeah, yeah, but it does highlight that you know again we're going into another season um, where you know we have the COVID protocols. They've been yeah. negotiated by the league and by the union. And the players are once again going to be playing under some very difficult circumstances and not just for 60 games this year, right? For 162. So it's, it's, um, as we, you know, get into spring training and we look toward the start of the baseball season, it's going to be a challenging season for players. 162 is already a long, long season, but, you know, to do it under the protocols and the restrictions that they're going to be under, it's going to be a challenge, No doubt about yeah. it. It's going to be a challenge for these players. Yeah, especially, like you said, you know, the 60-game season gave us a glimpse. So a lot of these guys, a lot of the starters, for example, have to get stretched out. And we're going to see, we may see some fatigue set in early for a lot of these guys once the summertime hits, especially after the short season last year. So it'll be an interesting year. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. But, uh, yeah, switch, switching sports for a second, man. Um NBA, you know, one of the stories that is capturing my attention, man, and I almost hate to say this, man, is the Brooklyn Nets. Um, 
you know, the Brooklyn Nets are looking scary. Um, they, yeah. you know, they, they, they are looking like a team that is still early, <clears throat> but it seems to me that they're starting to figure out how to play together. And even though Durant's been out for the last few games, you know, they just went on the West Coast. The Nets did a five game West Coast trip and they swept that series, including beating the Lakers, beating uh, the Clippers last night. Um, and I'm a Knicks fan, so I, I have no love for the Nets, <laughs> okay? Um, and my Knicksies are playing okay, you know what I mean? With Tom Thibodeau got these boys competing. and That's right. It, the proverbial, if the season ended today, the <laughs> Knicks would be in the playoffs now. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> now, the season doesn't end today, so that's not worth much, but... Uh, I'm a Knicks fan, so I don't I, I have no love loss for the Nets, but I have to give it up. You know, right now, the Nets clearly look like, you know, one of the elite teams in the league. I think they're the best team in the East, even though Philly is record wise, maybe a little bit better than them. But I think the Nets are a dangerous team. Yeah, I, I think as currently as they currently stand, the Nets are the best team in the East, hands down, even though the Sixers, they're only like half a game up. I give it to the Nets, man. They're, their offensive firepower is insane. And, we, you know, just talking about the big three, obviously, but Joe Harris is another guy who can knock it down from anywhere beyond the arc. The dude is a sharpshooter. And we see a lot of these teams, they need a player like him. So, you know, the big three aside, they're just they – just, they're just – they're crazy. They're <laughs> – they can't miss basketball right now. And the way Harden and Kyrie have kind of mixed together, which I thought wasn't going to happen. I thought it was going to be a complete mess having Harden and Kyrie together. Um, but they've actually meshed pretty well, especially on this, on this road trip. Yeah. But there's a couple of things for me, you know, I'll stay first with the Harden Kyrie thing, because it's funny when Harden first arrived in Brooklyn, one of the first things he said was he didn't like the way he had to play in Houston, right? Dribbling the ball for 23 seconds and then shooting the ball. <laughs> Step back three. Right. He said, he said he didn't like that. He had to play that way. Like he was yeah. being forced to do that. Right. Yeah. And, and at first he came to the Nets and, you know, he was getting some triple doubles. He would get like 18 points, 11 assists, 10 rebounds, you know. So his scoring was down. He wasn't scoring the 40, 50, 60 like he was doing in Houston. And he was distributing the ball. And I said, okay, maybe he really didn't like playing that way. The last few games, like I was watching the game last night. <laughs> <laughs> he was playing he was playing like Harden, the Houston Harden last yeah. night. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I guess that that that's over. You know, that whole I don't like playing that way. Um but but here's the thing. I looked in the box score and last night the Nets shot ninety-two shots, took ninety-two shots, and Kyrie and Harden took fifty-one. So I think Man. about that and I say, <laughs> when Kevin Durant comes back, he gonna, he's going to be looking for 20, 22, 23 shots a game too. Yeah. 
And what I wonder is what's going to give because something has to give because Harden can't play like Houston Harden when he has no. Kyrie and, and KD because all three of them are volume shooters, right? And what does that do to a guy like Joe Harris who's going to get fewer touches and fewer yeah. shots up and everybody else, right? Because everybody else is going to get fewer shots too. Um, and so I wonder about that. I think they'll figure it out. But um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens when KD comes back. Yeah, I think, though, if there is a player that you want coming back, per se, it would be KD, I think. I think he's he's probably the easier transition back into a lineup than it would be, let's say, Harden or Kyrie kind of jumping in. And we, I think we kind of saw some of that when the Harden trees first happened. It was just Harden and KD, and then Kyrie came in. They kind of struggled a bit. Everyone, you know, freaked out. But I think if you want a player coming back and trying to integrate, you know, what a full squad would be like, I think KD is the best of the three that you want that to happen because he just seems like his game can adjust a lot easier to the other styles of play. And I think we kind of saw that too with Golden State, him going into Golden State and kind of meshing with Steph Curry and Clay and Draymond and kind of figuring it out that way, even though the chemistry was what it was towards the end. But it'll be a struggle, no doubt, because the shots, there's only one ball. There's three guys who take 20-plus shots on any given night. So it is going to be a little bit of a struggle. But I think KD will find a way to kind of figure it out. But it's going to take some leadership from, from him as well to make it work when he does come back. And see, it's that last point that I wonder about. Because, see, I think it was one thing for KD to kind of fit in, so to speak, with Golden State. Because they won without him. You Mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Like, they won championships without him. They won a championship without him. And so he came in and he added to that team. But you had guys who were bona fide. You know, Steph, Clay, Draymond, right? And they had won without him. And so there was a little bit of let me be the good soldier type thing. Um, I think with the Nets, when he signed with the Nets, the Nets became his team. And now, you know, you can, and Kyrie was coming along as as bat, as Robin, right? Um, but now you got Harden there and they're playing well without KD. And the one thing KD has shown over the years He's a sensitive fella. (laughs) (laughs) His feelings get hurt real easy. You know what I mean? And if he comes back in a town as tough as New York and, and the Nets all of a sudden aren't clicking on all cylinders as they are now, and people start saying things like, well, when KD was out. (laughs) (laughs) Rabbit ears. The Nets were doing better, right you know what I mean? <laughs> Does KD start sulking, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's the one thing I wonder about because KD seems to me over the years to be a guy who pays attention. This, don't forget, this is the guy who had the phony Twitter account, right? Did yeah. He a phony Twitter account? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where he was saying great things about himself. <laughs> yep. Yep, yep, yep. So this guy, this guy is sensitive. So I just wonder if the Nets hit the skids, and the skids doesn't mean that they lose seven games in a row. But let's just say yeah. they're like four and three when KD comes back. They're gonna go, 
well, they were on a six-game winning streak, you know, and they were yep. playing, you know, beating the best teams in the league. And now <laughs> since KD is back, the Nets are four and three, and they've been struggling. Their chemistry is off. I wonder how he takes that. Yeah, and I think that's the big I, – like, I agree. I that's a big question mark because, like I said, it is going to take leadership from him to make it work again because Harden can do his thing. Kyrie, Kyrie just does Kyrie things. But it's going to take KD to come in and – kind of really integrate himself and his teammates around to kind of continue that chemistry and that streak that the Nets are on. But, you know, for all I care, they can go on a 10-game losing streak and let's see those, those Knicks go up a little bit in the standings. That's what I'm talking about. You know, <laughs> go New York, go New York, go. I'm down only with the one, orange and the blue. There's only one real New York team in basketball. That's what we I'm, know that. That's right. Everybody knows that. Only these Johnny Come Latelys are all on the Brooklyn bandwagon. That's right. You know, but here's the thing. Here, here would be my season right here. I think the Nets are the best team in the East. Yeah. Right. Um, Boston is struggling. Um, 500 team right now. The Heat, because of, you know, early season injuries, Butler's been out for a while, but he's back now. And you know, they're, they're, I think they're going to hit their stride, but they're struggling. They're below 500. Milwaukee's toast. I'm going to be the first oh, one to yeah. say it. Milwaukee is toast. Their window has closed. You know, championship aspirations, not this year. They're not going to make it. And here's the thing, and we can talk about this another time, but Giannis, Giannis got to improve his game because – it's you know you play the lesser teams and yeah you can drive to the hoop all day long and dunk and do all those great things that he does. He starts playing against the top notch team and you know they they know how to defend him. They put just bodies in front of him, and he yeah. can't shoot right well enough where he can make them pay for sagging off on him and trying to just keep him from getting to the rim, but. I just think Milwaukee's done. I'm sorry. Um, so they're, they're done. But here would be my here would be my ideal scenario. The Nets finish as the top seed in the East. And their matchup in the playoffs in the eighth seed are the, is the New York Knicks. That's right. And the Knicks pull one of them, Allen Houston, shot bouncing <laughs> on the rim as they beat the Miami Heat. Remember that? <laughs> when they were yep. the eighth seed and Miami was the yep. number one seed. And, and and the Knicks knocked the Nets out of the playoffs. That's what I'm hoping for come April. I'll take it. I'll take it. And we got to get Julius Randle in the All-Star game. Hey, Julius Randle is going to be in the All-Star game. He has to be. Yeah. I wasn't, you know, I liked Julius Randle when he was in college. You know, I thought he was a really good player. Um, you know, he came, he got drafted by the Lakers, right? And then he broke his leg yeah. early in his rookie season. And he kind of fell off the map a little bit in terms of, you know, just being a prominent player. Um and so when the Knicks got him, I'm like, okay, Julius is a good player, but it's not like he's a marquee guy. Um, yeah. But you know what? To see him play this way and to see the Knicks play this way, it, it, it you know, playing better, it shows you the value of good coaching. Tom Thibodeau is a good coach. Yeah. And he has these guys playing with a purpose, right? They, they know what they want to do. They may not always execute, 
but they know what they want to do. Uh, they have a plan when they go out on the court. And you see that game in and game out. And it shows you the value of coaching. Tom Thibodeau's done a great job with these guys. Yeah, coaching makes a huge difference, man. Huge difference. Because, you know, Julius Randle was a, was, was a joke, you know, because they were supposed to get Zion and KD and Kyrie. They end up with Julius, and then he has, you know, he played decent mm-hmm. last year. But having Thibodeau in there this year, like, he's asserted himself. And he's still a young guy. He's only 25, 26 years old. So he has some potential, and I think he may not be, you know, the number one option in a championship team, but he's a solid guy to kind of take this young Knicks team and continue to build on them and eventually maybe, you know, get a guy or two in free agency somewhere down the line and make some noise. I like Julius Randle, and I like the the whole Thibodeau thing, man. I think that was a great, great hire by the Knicks, and I'm hoping that from here on out, with the moves they've made in the front office and things of that nature, that that culture shift begins to continue, well, continues to happen because we've already seen some changes in the culture of the Knicks. And James Dolan just has to keep staying out of the picture. Let the basketball guys run basketball and and just do their thing, man. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, look, I think Julius Randle will make the all-star game. You know, the all-star game has its own controversy behind it, right? Because a lot of players have sounded off on it and said they don't want to play and there shouldn't be an all-star game. What's going on? We got all these COVID restrictions and everything else. And now you're going to bring us all into one city. And they have a (laughs) point. (laughs) They do. (laughs) They have a point. Bring them all into one city and then send them out again. Right. (laughs) Right. They they have a point. And so this lets you know. You know, this is about this is about the do re mi, right? If you're the yep. NBA, that's that's it. That's what it's yep. about. Um, you know, and so you hear players uh, voicing their concerns, but you know, there is going to be an All Star game. Adam Silver pretty much said there's going to be a game, so everybody might as well just stop. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's going to be a game. I think Julius Randle should be in that game, but the Knicks are playing better. Um, the bar is low on that, right? The Knicks have been so yeah. bad over the past few <laughs> years. So to say they're better, that's not saying that much. But no, <laughs> but but they have been noticeably better. I mean, I think they're 15 and 16 right now. Um, yeah. They they they're in the seventh spot in the East, and um, I think they can get better. I think they can get better. Um, so yeah, you can even see it in the even in their losses. They they the intensity they play with is so different. The energy they have even in losses is night and day, night and day. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, um, you know, right now the, the nets are feeling their oats and let them, you know, yeah. you know, but, but uh, my Nixies are coming. They're, they're coming. Last thing I want to say is another interesting storyline out of the NBA is out West where Anthony Davis with the strain Achilles. I mean, that, that always has to concern you. You know, Big time. when they talk about a strained Achilles, because next thing you know, you could have a torn Achilles and now you're talking about being gone, you know, for an entire season. And if it happened now, that means he wouldn't come back until sometime after the 2022 season started. Yeah. So that has to be a big concern. And I would have to think that that L.A. is going to not rush Anthony Davis at all. And But what's that going to do? to the Lakers um, in terms of their positioning out West. I, I, I just don't think as great as LeBron is, 
Um, I just don't think he's going to be able to keep them at that high, high level that they were playing with Davis in the lineup, that he's going to be able to maintain that if Davis misses an extended period of time. They're already talking that he's going to miss two weeks. So, Yeah, and that's... it's funny because I, I, I was actually watching the game where he got re-injured because he, he was already having trouble. And the, my first thought was, I hope that's not a torn Achilles or like the KD situation from a few years back where it was, they said it was a calf injury and then it ended up being the Achilles and then it tore it. I was hoping it wasn't a torn. Luckily it's not, but if I'm the Lakers, honestly, you know, you have to weigh the options of, do we want a high seed? We're going to make the playoffs anyway, because we have LeBron. That's an automatic playoff berth. But do we want the high seed or do we want to protect our long-term investment and our player and make sure he comes back this year? I would shut him down as long as possible and just, you know, go for the playoff run, if anything, if I'm the Lakers. Yeah. I think they have to give him as much of an opportunity to to recover. And so we'll see what happens because I think – you know, if 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 the positioning out west starts to exert some pressure on them, you know, Kate, uh, AD may start to feel the pressure, and he may want to yeah. come back. All these guys are, are ultra competitive and everything else, and sometimes you got to save them from themselves, right? Yep. And tell them no, you got to slow it down. So we'll see what happens with this one. But to me, that that's one of the the, the key storylines out west. But right now, for me, man. You know, like I said, I hate to say it, but the Nets are looking pretty good. Um, but, you know, when it comes to the Knicks, that object in your mirror is closer than it appears in Brooklyn. That's all I got <laughs> to say about that. <laughs> We're coming for you. <laughs> We're coming for the Nets. <laughs> There's only one New York team in the yeah. NBA. There you go. All right, brother. Well, look, man, good catching up with you um and talking through uh some of these uh storylines and everything else and spring training is is getting into full swing and so um there'll be a lot of baseball to talk about a lot of nba so look forward to coming back again and 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 doing it with you one more time when we come back with another edition of sports 60 so be good man until next time um and and we'll chop it up again sounds like a plan man All right. Thanks, Rob.